The goal is not for you to never have another anxious thought. The goal is not for you to never have another depressive feeling or thought. The goal is to know what to do when those come up. Welcome to Footnotes, a behind-the-scenes look at what we value and why it matters here at Fiddle Church in Glendora, California. My name is Stephen Kockenrath. I'm one of the pastors on staff, and I am your host. Steve, what's up, man? Hey, Steven. How's it going? <laughs> Good. I'm excited to have you uh, on our podcast, man, uh, just to give people a chance to hear more about the legendary Steve Lebranski. <laughs> yeah, um, well, thank you. Yeah. I'm, I'm sure people will be excited. I, I know they are. In fact, <laughs> I pulled them all beforehand. Um, one of the things that people may be surprised about you is that you are actually one of the most competitive people that I know in a very sneaky way. Would you say that's accurate? I totally agree. And I think part of that is because I had a huge anger issue in high school and college. Oh, man, we're getting deep right away. Okay. I know, I know. But <laughs> so that that competitiveness actually yeah. drove me to anger. So uh-huh. I, I try to hide that competitiveness and keep it all inside. Okay. But yes, I want to win in yeah. just about everything. You I like do. to win. And and you do win, unknowingly enough. You whenever, That always comes through whenever we play a game or are hanging out with church staff. It could be kickball. It could be Stafford shoot games, board games, fantasy football. You, uh, Steve usually wins games. I think I'm not great at anything, but I think I'm pretty good at most things. So, I'm not sure about yeah. that, but uh, you are good at a lot of things, which even spills obviously into your work life. I think about all that you're accomplished that and have done in your ministry career and it's just been really cool seeing how the lord has used your natural gifts and talents to um to bless people and to to really push the ball forward in lots of ways um you picked up counseling and kind of pastoral care a little bit more intentionally the past few years and um it's been really neat to see how god has used some of those natural abilities um in in counseling and so i know the story but fill in our listeners on kind of how you made that switch. What were you doing before that and kind of where you're, where you're at now? Sure. Yeah. So I, I started ministry as a youth pastor. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think I was back in 2001. So I've been, I've been at ministry my whole professional career and I was honestly one of those people that wanted to be a lifelong youth pastor. I I didn't have any desire to move up the ladder or become a lead Mm -hmm. pastor. In fact, I I remember telling Katie, I don't think I can work with adults. I think I I felt like I could only connect. (laughs) Which is not true. Yes. yes, I I remember saying that though early on. And then we had a church plant that uh, closed um, right before we came here. Actually, that's what opened Mm. up the door to coming to Foothill. And so I started youth ministry here. Uh, got impact, uh, refocused and, and up and running. And I remember sitting at a staff, just a staff retreat, we were having dinner and Chris Lewis just asked me, Hey, what do you see doing yourself doing after youth ministry? And up till that, I never really had a thought, but you actually invited me to a counseling session with someone. Mm. And I remember walking out of that uh, time. I didn't really say much and I didn't know the people. I mm. was new to the church, but I remember feeling so invigorated and so refreshed and thinking this wow. is what I want to do. And yeah. you looked at me and said, that's not normal. Most people don't feel <laughs> that yeah, way yeah. when they walk out of situations that are heavy like this. And so, uh, it was kind of all those things sparked. And I just told Chris, I would love to, I'd love to pursue counseling. I don't yeah. know anything about it. 
and he said, well, hey, let's let's see if there's a good biblical counseling program that we can kind of get you plugged into and get you trained. And and up till then, I didn't even mm. know that biblical counseling was a thing. I mm. just I just knew I wanted to love people. I wanted to help people and walk through some of these difficult seasons. And I just didn't really know how yeah. I, I could be there and I could be present and I could be compassionate and, and you know, import some wisdom. But mm. I just really didn't know any technique or or any real strategy to that. So, yeah. yeah, So I just, I just officially graduated last January and, um, it's been great. It's been awesome to, um, see God work in our counseling ministry and, Mm -hmm. and even to use someone like me who's broken and, Mm. uh, probably could use some counseling myself. So sure. That's so cool, man. Um, you know, I think one of the challenging things in regards to counseling and therapy and mental health is, you kind of close your eyes and word associate with counseling and we all have very specific things that come to mind. Um, sometimes those things are, are right and true and other times they're kind of just convoluted from things we've seen in movies or just culture and stuff like that. Can you lay out kind of how we approach counseling at Foothill Church? Yeah, that's a good question. It's something that we actually walk people through yeah. that we counsel because we want them to know exactly what's happening to be clear. So we offer biblical counseling here. And so really what that means, what drives our counseling ministry is that there's a congruency with what we believe about God. So our doctrines, our theology, our belief in scripture, even the power of the gospel is really at the the heart of how we care for people. Mm -hmm. So I I actually think biblical counseling is so in line with our mission statement as Mm -hmm. a church. So we exist to glorify God by leading people into a growing relationship with Jesus Christ rooted in the gospel. And so we want to ultimately glorify God in and through our counseling, but we also want people to live lives that glorify God. Mm. And so there's a hope that it's not just relief from a difficult situation, but there's actually Mm. a goal of my life is really, I was created and chosen by God to glorify him. Isaiah 43, seven talks about that. Mm. And so, um, so what we do as biblical counselors is let scripture be the source of that truth for us, the source of change and the source of hope for us, where some traditional psychologies, even mm-hmm. uh, some would say most traditional psychologies wouldn't be able to say that. So, right. um, you know, fundamentally they have beliefs that are opposed to God and opposed to what his word would say. So things like, uh, man is not created by God. Many secular psychologies would is a foundation that evolution and that man is not created by God or that man within themselves has the ability to change and turn from their mm. difficulties or their sins, or, or even that man is a product of what has been done to them and really has no accountability or responsibility for what they've done if there's sin involved. So I think, I think the key for biblical counseling is that we al- allow scripture to really be the authoritative source for our process of bringing hope and healing and change and victory. And that we believe scripture gives us the insight and wisdom Mm. to man, to our problem, to how God and the gospel comes Mm. in and helps. And and we want to tap into that because I mean, it's the center of our preaching. It's the center of our songs. It's really, it's the center of our community and serving. And so we really want lasting heart change. And we don't, we don't believe that's possible without, the Holy spirit working and the power of his word working in our lives. So really it's that congruency so that when we look at, uh, our whole life, every aspect of that, 
uh, is rooted in the gospel and and consistent with what we what we really believe about God and His Word. It's not a throw on, right? Yeah. The gospel and the the right. Bible is not something not we so add on. to right. it. It's it's the source. So really, we should look at every area of our life. It's that idea of like a biblical worldview, right? So mm-hmm. how I work, how I relate to my kids and right. uh, my spouse, all those things has to be informed by the Bible and the gospel. And so why would the care of people's souls mm-hmm. be any different? Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, um, for us at Full Hill, practically speaking, how do we teach people these things? Like what are some of the channels that we accomplish this, this through? Yeah. So we offer one-on-one counseling. So mm-hmm. there's a, there's a formal process to that where okay. people could apply to, to see if there's availability. It's our team is very small right now. It's, right. We're in the process of training. So if any of you are hearing this and are interested in training, we'd, we'd love, I would love to hear that. Um, but yeah, so we offer this, this formal, you know, weekly or, or bi-weekly meeting where we can really you know, meet together and, and establish a plan for counseling. Uh, we also offer a little bit more informal format and, and really that's discipleship. So mm. that could be connecting, uh, someone with, um, either someone who's gone through a similar struggle and has experienced victory, or it could be someone who's a little bit more mature than mm. that person. And there could just be a more informal meeting that's regular where it's just gathering together, praying, accountability, reading scripture together, and things like that. Uh, and then we also have a, a gospel-centered recovery program called Steps that um, really lays that foundation that biblical counseling is trying to do in the setting of a class. And so okay. yeah. we've actually seen a lot of great fruit from that class. And um, I can think of five people that have just told me it really kicked off the life change that they were hoping to, wow. f- to feel, whether that was from addiction or suffering or all kinds of different scenarios that we can cover in that class. So uh, we're trying to grow that and Mm -hmm. have more options. But right now, those are the main three ways that if we hear of a need um, along the lines of counseling or suffering or, Mm -hmm. you know, sin issues, that would be kind of where we try to get them plugged in. That's great. Yeah. Steps is uh, a class that my wife and I have taken as well. And um, actually, a vast majority of our staff have gone through steps, and it's been, as you say, it's it's been awesome, uh, an awesome step to get into the space to be talking about roots and root issues like that. And so let me just kind of pause and just even encourage, if you're listening to this and if you're kind of hearing about steps or counseling and you're like, yeah, that's for someone else, um, steps is for everyone. It's for um, for people who consider themselves mature Christians, for people who are, are baby, brand new Christians, um, and kind of everyone in between. Uh, we, we all have sin in our lives and things that we need to work through and see through a kind of a, a gospel lens. Um, and that's what I really took from steps in a way. Yeah, yeah it's, it's an opportunity for all of us to grow. We yeah. just had our first session uh, this Monday and I told people that I know more about steps than you do, yeah. but I'm here because I need it. Yeah. I need to grow. I need to be reminded of the gospel every day. And so steps is just a beautiful place for that to happen. And so, yeah, I, I definitely yeah. encourage people to jump in. Yeah. We're, we're kind of alluding to it right now, but I, th- I think sometimes there's a lot of shame associated with asking for help, which is not only unhealthy, it's unbiblical as well. I mean, it's an important idea that we cast our anxieties upon the Lord because he cares for us, that we confess sin and hardship to one another laterally in community as well. And all those things happen in the context of counseling and steps and so, um, Steve, you talked about it earlier, but to state the obvious, kind of the, the doctrine of the depravity of sin as a doctrine is is really at the heart of counseling and discipleship in kind of in, in most contexts. That's because that because of the fall that we are broken, we have pain, we have sin, 
And that is a regular part of our experience as Christians. And so um, just, just thinking of the last year or so even too, in your experience, what, what kind of maybe sin issues or trends are you seeing right now in the counseling world that kind of keep, keep coming up over and over again? What are some of those issues that you've seen? Yeah, that's a good question. And even kind of referring back to that idea of depravity of sin, sin is really at the heart of yeah. all suffering and all struggle. That's important right? to make and clear. So, yeah. so even though if you were, if someone's abused, they didn't sin, but that abuse was a, a form of sin done to them. Mm-hmm. And so really we need to be reminded that every struggle that we're going through has a spiritual aspect. So even mm. if there's a physical illness or someone is suffering or, or even terminally ill with cancer or something like that, there's a spiritual side mm. of their care that needs to happen. Even though they can't come into my office, I can't offer them chemo or radiation, mm. but I can offer them hope and perspective and the promises of the gospel and things like that. And yeah. so we, we really do need to yeah. see that. Like I, what my wish is, is that people would seek counseling earlier. Mm. I think I find that a lot of people wait to like, we're at the brink of, of disaster yeah. or marriage yeah. is at the brink of divorce. And so I think you, you bringing up the idea that there's this shame or they're mm. afraid to come out of, of just, and, and let people into the light that they would really be open to say, Hey, let's attack this earlier. Because if mm. we do that, um, man, we can just get on a track faster and a little bit easier. So I, I just wanted to throw that in For there sure. before I even talk about some of the things that we're, we're seeing. I think yeah. that's really important. And I think actually, I'm going to just even ask you to say that again in terms of there's that at the root of every counseling issue, there is sin involved, right? Yeah. And that it could be either sin that you've committed or sin that's been committed against you, right? Yeah. Is that yeah. what you're saying? Yeah. So like if you go back to the fall, right, in Genesis 3, uh, before the fall, there was no discord. Mm. There was no brokenness. There was no shame. There was no guilt. There was no sin done against anybody, mm. right? And mm-hmm. so there was this perfect harmony, not only in relationship between uh, man and woman and God, but there was also perfect harmony and relationship with man and woman. And yeah. so, uh, and really that is God's design for us. And when sin came in, there's discord that happened and brokenness happened. And now people couldn't relate to each other yeah. well. So we sin against each other or we now sin and bring pain upon ourselves. And really all of those spaces need spiritual care in mm-hmm. some capacity, right? Or even death comes in and there needs to be a spiritual side of walking people through that, right? Mm-hmm. And so um, I, I just think it's so important that we don't think that there are things that can be handled. There should be things that are handled outside of the church. And then there are things that can only be handled inside of the church. Cause I think that was the big mistake that the church made in like the 18th and 19th century was that the church is good for salvation, mm. but all care issues go outside. Right. And so, yeah. and I mentioned earlier, I mean, I can't give any medical advice. I can't give any, well, you could, but it probably shouldn't be listening to you. Yeah. Yes. And it, yeah. So I, I'm not going to right. ethically. I, I have no, right to do that. Right. So if someone is struggling with depression or anxiety, I will ask them if they've seen a doctor because there's physical, real medical needs in some of those cases. And so uh, I'm not saying, you know, forgo all medicine and all those things, but that people would recognize that the church has a place to walk people through all spaces and all suffering and all struggles and all forms of sin that they're either committing themselves or that have been done against them. So what are some of those areas you've seen just recently? You think? Yeah, I think one of the big overall attitudes is just weariness mm-hmm. um, and, and just the feeling of like, when is 2020 going to be over? Yeah. And so outside of just like the specific sins or issues, I think there's just a general, we're just tired right. and, and right. we feel like we're in this 
place that we just never know when it's going to end. And, and I think that that can be the root or some of the beginning stages of some of the other issues that we're seeing, like depression, mm. anxiety. I think within marriages and even relationships, there's just conflict and disunity um, as you know, we are farther away from each other. We're kind of stuck in our own head a lot. So yeah. I know for me, that's one of the worst places to be when I let my mind just start to run wild. And, uh, you know, I, I had an anxiety attack really early on and mm. just this, the quarantine of just like, you know, I counsel people for anxiety. Right. So it's like, this is a season of we're we're kind of pushed beyond our limits in this time. And so um, we're just, we're seeing, just a lot of internal things that are, you know, then manifested in, you know, disunity or conflict or abuse or, right. you know, addiction or different things like that. And so uh, this season, you know, has really been not only a medical challenge, but it's also been a mental health challenge yeah. for people because it's been really difficult for people to process what all is going on in 2020 yeah. um, kind of on their own. Sure. And I think that's what people feel right now that they're kind of on their own yeah. and they don't know where to turn to or who to turn to. No, I can, I can relate to that. And I, I think about my own life and in so many ways, I don't have anything to complain about whatsoever, but I, I still feel that heaviness and anxiety you're talking about just even the last six months. I mean, and again, I mean, I'm, I would consider myself an anxious person, but I feel it. That's, that's so unique about this time is that anxiety kind of like, going into all these pockets of our life. Yeah. And I, th I think Jeremiah 17 is really helpful for us to just understand why, because mm -hmm. it, it kind of compares uh, two different people using an illustration of a tree hmm. or a plant. And really what it talks about is that both, both trees that it's referring to are experiencing heat. And so they're experiencing things that are hard and difficult. Right. Mm. And so I think we just have to acknowledge that this year has been hard. Right. Like I, I can't tell you how many people have just told me I should just be doing better. Mm. And it's like, interesting. okay, yes. On one hand, that's true. We yeah. should experience growth. We should be more like Christ. But can we also just stop and acknowledge that this year has been really hard yeah. because we're facing a lot of heat right now. Mm. And so what that heat does is it really brings out what our heart is hoping in and what our heart is desiring. And these two plants in this, in Jeremiah 17, one is really trusting in the wisdom of man. And when we trust in wisdom of man in the midst of heat, there's a lot, there's a lack of fruit. There's um, just struggles. There's just things that we, we don't uh, want to see in our lives. Right. But right. then he compares it with a man who's trusting in the Lord and not fearing. Mm. And that's where good fruit can happen, even mm. in the midst of heat and suffering and struggling. And so, uh, so we're getting a lot of heat and it's kind of exposing some of these, these things that we're trusting in mm. rather than the Lord sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. That's good, man. And I think, I think one of the, um, to kind of put myself on the counselor's couch a little bit here, I, I what, what would you say to somebody who's, who's dealing with anxiety a, a bit more. I mean, I think one of the things you're talking about in Jeremiah is just being the awareness of what's happening to you, that you are experiencing trauma and crisis and that heat you're talking about. Yeah. So I, I think that anxiety causes us to ask three questions. And mm. the first one is who is God? Mm. The second one is who am I? And then the third one is who are other people? Like meaning what influence do they have on me? Mm. How much does, does their opinion matter to me than others? And so mm. I think one of the things that we need to do is just ask those questions to ourselves in the midst of those moments of anxiety. So am I, am I questioning who God really is? 
uh, am I questioning who I really am? Or, or am I letting people influence, you know, like social anxiety or, or things like that? And so, um, so I, I think that ha- answering those questions can be helpful. Mm-hmm. And then once we kind of get there, uh, I think we need to acknowledge, again, acknowledge that these times are hard. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Lord is not, he does not consider us whiners mm-hmm. when we acknowledge the state of our, our life, right? Just yeah, look at the Psalms. Like all, most, there are so many Psalms. I think a third are lament song, Psalms, but many are just this picture of what is really going on in their life. And God wants to hear that. Mm. And so sometimes we, we try to put on this image that everything is good and I have it under control. And then that only fuels anxiety because it Mm. puts all the pressure back on me. It puts all of our trust in man's ways, not God's ways. And so, um, we need to acknowledge that they're, they're hard times. And I think we can take some really practical steps like finding regular rhythms. Mm. So our routines have really been rocked. I mean, can yeah, we say that so too? Yeah, but I mean, so, yeah. so like school, work. Um, I mean, the other day we wanted to go somewhere and we're like, there's really nowhere we can actually go right. to do something. Right. And so trying to build regular routines. So if that's exercising, if you're married or, or dating someone going on date nights, trying to get community in your life as best as you can, mm. those regular routines can help us kind of ease some of that anxiety because we were, we're reminded that we're not on our own. Um, I think we also need mm. to just cry out to God. Again, that's this key turning point in Lamentations, this key point in Psalms, where they acknowledge what's going on and then they cry out to God for help. Um, and then I, I think we need to rest. Mm. I mean, Psalm 46 reminds us. So rest and laziness are different. I did a devotion on that early in the the quarantine, but we need to rest in the Lord, right? Like in Psalm 46, the whole earth is, is like falling apart around this person and it closes with like, be still and remember that I'm God and rest, you know? And so we, we need to rest. Um, and, and, and then I, I would say, you know, lastly is that we, we learn to take our thoughts captive. So Mm -hmm. that means we are replacing thoughts or ideas that are absent Mm -hmm. of God and we replace them with thoughts that are God is present or mm. the Bible is present. And so you can do that through books or scripture. You can, you know, get counseling. You could be mm. a part of gospel community. All of those things reorient our heart and reorient our minds yeah. uh, to God and his presence, our identity in Christ and the importance of, of people loving and serving us and us loving and serve them. That's good, man. That's, that's really practical and helpful. And I, I think about some of the commonalities that you're just talking about in in that it's not so much just kind of stop stop thinking bad thoughts or stop doing bad habits, but kind of almost replacing those those thoughts with good thoughts, with mm-hmm. thoughts from scripture. Yeah, I, I tell people that I counsel for anxiety and depression, the goal is not for you to never have another anxious thought. Mm-hmm. The goal is not for you to never have another depressive feeling or thought. The goal is to know what to do when those come up, right? Mm-hmm. And so, because so many times people are like, I never want to feel anxiety again. Yeah, and That's impossible. We can't, right? Because right. yeah. most of the time it's not, we don't think like be anxious right now. We it, 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 <laughs> it can happen in the middle sometimes. of the night or something. So yeah. So our our hope in biblical counseling is that we can give people the tools and the beliefs and the doctrine mm-hmm. and the truths and the practical steps that they can take. So when they feel depressed or when they feel anxious, they can take that step and move towards biblical truth and towards community and biblical, um, even biblical actions. Right mm-hmm. in the midst of that. That's good. Awesome. Well, and it's so good to be reminded of these truths, especially in the season of life. Um, Fiddle Church, we just want you to hear clearly that you are not alone. 
um, mental illness and depression and anxiety. They're all very real issues. And many of you probably do need to take steps, maybe even call a counselor. As Steve mentioned, um, doing that on the onset um, earlier in the process, as opposed to waiting till we're kind of at the brink of disaster. And so um, at Foothill, we're still in the process of widening our capacity when it comes to taking on more counseling cases, but we will definitely put some resources in the show notes that can be a help to you. Um, and again, you know, feeling anxious or depressed is not an issue of, um, and I think you would agree with this, Steve, that you're not just more messed up or more sinful than another person. And this is all the result of the brokenness of the fall. And so in many ways, collectively, as a Christian community, we're all dealing with this, the same things. They kind of come out in different ways. But for all of us, Steve and I included, there will be times in our life where we will need help, and there's no shame in that at all. And so let's reach out, and let's be the type of community to one another that allows for conversations like this to happen more more often. Yeah, yeah. and if, you're, if that's you and you feel like I'm worse than everyone, I want to remind you of 1 Corinthians 10, 13 that says mm, there's no temptation that is not common to man, right? So yeah. we're all... We're all struggling. We're all hurting. Yeah. No one is a no one is a freak. We're all yeah. we're all in need of of help and the one another's of Scripture and God's Word and the Gospel to change us. That's good. That's good. Well, hey, quick speed round questions to end this episode, Steve. Um, maybe what's a book or a resource or a podcast? Any kind of resource that you've been into lately that may be helpful to our church, specifically for counseling? Uh, it can be whatever you want. Yeah. Yeah. So I I think uh, Gospel Treason by Brad Bigney is one of my favorite books hmm. out there because it actually is a resource that helps you kind of get underneath the surface and at the heart level of yeah. what's going on, which is so important uh, to biblical counseling. So yeah, there's some things that we want to deal with, but ultimately like you were talking about and we've been talking about, we want to get to the heart of, of kind of some of those things that are driving us. And he's, this book is, is just phenomenal and really practical and helpful in that. That's awesome. And then uh, throwing it back to your kind of winning and competitive streak, uh, you, you enjoy golf quite a bit, right? Yeah, I do. So yeah. what's what's the best golf course that you've ever played at? Okay, I actually got to play at Trump National Golf Course, which is a very high-end cool. golf course. And I'll have to say thanks to my brother, Tom. Uh, I actually did a bone marrow transplant for him uh, several years back. That's right. And he decided that we would have a couple bone marrow appreciation days. And so he took me there. It was amazing. We have a, we had a caddy. Uh, we even, yeah, we played at Pelican Hills too, which is in wow. Newport. And it's just like a whole different, uh, a whole different ball game when you play at those courses. That's so awesome. What's, those, the, what's the best score you've ever had? I've shot 79 twice. Okay. Uh, and both of those, my wife, Katie was with me. So one was oh, on our honeymoon yeah. and then one, we actually just did a, I think it was actually as an anniversary, we went and golf together. So she didn't cheat. She didn't give me extra strokes. So those <laughs> were my, those were my best two rounds. Yeah. And, and it was when I was playing a lot, I played a lot more before we were married and before we had kids. Yeah. So golf is that sounds about right that yeah. we did a lot of fun things before this and happened. But <laughs> yeah. anyway, man, Hey, great to have you on today. Thanks so much for your time, Steve, and for being on footnotes. Yeah. Thanks for having me. All right. Well, we're out of time, but thanks for joining us for our podcast footnotes. Be sure to subscribe, and we'd also appreciate you sharing this resource with others and even leaving us a favorable review if you feel so inclined. So until next time, Foothill, peace be with you. Steve Dabransky, the better and balder Steven on staff.